This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by Half Day. If you played in the Stinger, our annual member guest, you may remember the Half Day CBD Closest to the Pin Hickory Challenge. Now, through the link in our show notes, you can visit their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the use of the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. I'll be back a little later in the show to share my personal experiences with Half Day. And if you're curious about the benefits of CBD for yourself, I encourage you guys to check them out. Leah, Jesse, welcome to The Bag Drop. Thank you for having me, Matt. Appreciate being here. We appreciate having you on. Um, our, our paths were destined across it at some point here. Uh, I think you took over as CEO of First Tee Chicago's chapter in, was it August of 19? August 2019. Okay. Yeah, so it's been about 14 months. And, and, and I, <laughs> who yeah, could have predicted what, what a crazy first year this would be, right? <laughs> probably, probably a smooth, easy transition, right? No problem at all. Yeah. Uh, but we've had a, a lot of our members who have uh, their children in First Tee programs now. Um, a few of your volunteers have now joined us as members. So it's exciting to finally talk to you and just kind of hear about everything that's going on with you guys. For sure. Yeah. Let's talk about this last four, 15 months or so. <laughs> um, how, maybe let's start with the first seven uh, before the pandemic, you know, hit us. What, what's it like uh, taking over in a role like this? You know, you, you've, um, I looked a little bit at, at your experience. You've been with similar organizations and uh, nonprofits for a little little while, but tell us a little bit about the, you know, kind of stepping into this role in, in August of 19. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So um, I actually don't have a golf background. So I started golfing when I took this role. Um, so as you can imagine, a lot of people uh, are pr pretty surprised to learn that. So in a way, I'm kind of learning alongside our kids, which is fun. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy the way it happened. I, you know, I originally started out my career in business. So I do have a business background. To your point, right before this, I was with another nonprofit. And um, when this opportunity came up, I, you know, when I learned about the mission, I just thought, wow, this is something that um, really speaks to me, especially as a kid who grew up in the inner city in Cleveland and didn't have access to golf. And would have really benefited from an organization like First Tee. So, um, so I was excited to join and, and to take the reins. And, um, you know, the, the organization itself has been in a bit of a transition. We've been around for about 20 years. And with new leadership coming in, you know, it can always be a little bit chaotic those first few months. Um, it was a little bit baptism by fire because we had our big corporate challenge outing in mid-September and I started in the beginning of August so trying to get that golf tournament together and and uh, organize that was obviously a lot of work but um, but I love it I kind of thrive in that type of environment where there's a lot going on and you know sort of trying to make sense of um, you know organized chaos let's say and and um, and you know I, I just I I loved it. And, and I, I've really enjoyed getting to know our board and our volunteers and all the people that are involved, um, you know, with, with our organization. And without having the, 
the golf background. I, I didn't know that. I think that's really cool. Uh, did because so many times in the golf industry and on this podcast, I, I speak with people that you know, lifelong golfers who realize, you know what, I want to get into the golf industry and, and make their passion, their, their work in a way. Um, so you had not played golf at all leading up to the role. Um, I had played a few times in, you know, friends that had scrambles and, you know, needed a, a fourth person and things like that. Um, my husband plays. And so I had gone with him a few times and used his clubs, but no, nothing really, you know, that meaningful. Um, I didn't even own a set of clubs when I started, but you know what? I, I actually, when I was interviewing for the role, I did ask and I said, you know, don't you, don't you want someone who has a golf background? And they said, you know, that's not what's important to us. We want some, we want a good leader. We want someone who's passionate about the mission. We want someone who can, you know, take us to the next level and help us achieve our goals. We have, we certainly have enough golfers. You know, we, yeah. we have a lot of people that golf that are involved. And now I do call myself a golfer because I've, I've learned um, over time. I'm, I'm getting better every day, but it's one of those sports, as you know, that you just have to keep playing and keep practicing. It's all about repetition, um, which is a little frustrating for me because I did grow up playing sports and I thought, well, I'm athletic. I'll just pick this up and it'll be easy. Um, and it is not. <laughs> I, uh, let's go in on that because I do feel, I love talking to people um, that are in that uh, first two years of, of the game. I mean, there's, there's a lot. It just comes, it's like drinking from a fire hose in a way, right? So yep. what is, what has your journey been like? Are you seeing a swing coach or, or like what, what's your plan? So good question. Um, COVID did throw a little bit of a wrench in things. So when I, um, I bought my clubs back in the fall, I actually started going to five iron golf when that opened up and was taking lessons there pre COVID When COVID hit. I thought, okay, now, um, you know, what do I do? So I was literally trying to, you know, go, go to the park and just, practice a little bit here and there. We actually bought a little putting game. My husband and I, we were putting. And then as soon as they opened up golf again, I said, we got to go. So it's really funny because um, now I'm kind of the one that's saying, we need to play this weekend. We need to play. We need, I, I need to get more practice in. So I've, you know, because of COVID and because of a lot of our other plans being canceled, I've had a lot more time to just get out and get on the course and play this year. And um, it's been really fun. And it's, one of the things I love about it is just that you're, you're outside. Um, you know, you feel like you're in nature, you're in this beautiful setting. And, um, you know, if you can take away the noise and not let it get in your head, it can be relaxing. <laughs> it, can. it just it can depends. Be. It doesn't mean it is, but it can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I've had some nerve wracking situations too. I actually, um, played in the Evan Scholars Invitational a few weeks ago. And I have to say that was probably the height of, um, you know, being a new golfer and being nervous and being in a tournament like that and, and, and trying to show up and, and, you know, provide for my team and um, contribute. Uh, but it was a fun, I had a great time and my team was great. Was, but, it, a, was uh, it a pro-am? Did you have a pro in the group yeah. too? Yeah, Vince so India. Oh, Vince India. Okay, Lo yeah. local guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm sure he was warm and welcoming. He was, he's not an intimidating guy. He's he was a great guy. And in fact, um, you know, we're going to talk, we're going to try to get him involved in first tee. So. That's great. Yeah. He, he, I've met him a few times. He's a wonderful guy, talented yeah. guy too. Very talented player. 
Uh, that that's really neat. And let's go back to kind of the, the work side. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to your golf game, of course, but, um, you know, I find myself in my third year of the golf industry, I guess, official third year dreaming about it for more than that. Uh, but talking to people in the, in the industry and you get a lot of, well, that's the way things are, or that's the way it's always been. Uh, there's very few people I, I found like yourself that are new to the game who actually, I think have a massive strength of, uh, not having any preconceptions of what golf can be. And, uh, do you, do you find that for yourself? Like you're sitting and having your meetings and you guys are talking about all the plans that you, you kind of have that fresh approach for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, you know, that's one of the things I admire about new club as well is that, you know, you, you know, anybody that's taking an industry and sort of turning it on its head in a good way and rethinking that model, I think can, can lead to really good things. And so, yeah, I mean, we're trying to, to do the same thing, right? So I have this unique perspective, um, almost like our, a lot of the families that we work with where I don't have that background. And so thinking about it from that perspective, how do you get someone interested in golf and in first tee greater Chicago if, um, you know, if the parents have never played or picked up clubs, if the kids have never played or picked up clubs? and so you know, thinking about it from that perspective, well, we've got to provide them the equipment because the parents aren't going to want to, um, you know, buy uh, new equipment for the kids or anything until they know that the kids are going to like it. And in other cases, we have families coming to us that maybe can't afford it. And we, we, we're all about accessibility. So that's been a big focus of mine since I started is how do we make our programming more accessible? So when COVID hit, um, you know, we just decided everybody who wants to, to participate uh, should be able to do so. And so we offered, we started doing free uh, virtual programming. Eventually that led to launching our uh, in-person programming in mid-June. We're thankful that golf is our sport. We were able to maintain social distancing and do that in a safe way. And so, um, you know, I, I you know, we realized that a lot of families were struggling. So we just kind of said, if, even if you can't afford it, we want to have you here. And, um, you know, we'll give you clubs if you don't have them. And so we were driving clubs around to people's houses <laughs> during the quarantine. Um, so again, I think, you know, having, having grown up in the inner city and, and not been a part of that golfing world growing up, I have this unique perspective that a lot of our families have is, you know, I don't even know how to get started with this. What equipment do I use? How do I get my kids to the lessons? How do I, um, you know, all of these things, right? And so, so we're opening up those doors for the kids that we work with. I think so many of us that are avid golfers, you know, that, that uh, have been playing this game a long time. I, I, I can't remember what book it was, but it was talking about this beginner mindset and how it's so important for, uh, your own enjoyment to remember what it's like when you started, which for, for people that have been playing since they're four or five, six, seven years old, it, it's challenging. You know, you don't, you don't remember what those feelings are like, but you know, yep. whether you're 45 or you're uh, 15 or you're, or you're 10, it, it's still those same. Uh, it's really exciting time. And, and um, I, I think programs like yourself, it's cool to remind us, you know, people that want to get involved and it's like, Oh yeah it's the simpler thing. You know, sometimes we get hung up on playing the better golf course or, you know, break in a certain number, but it's just the feeling you get when you finally hit one on the face, yeah. you know, things oh, like that. 
it's great, right? So I, I actually seek those kids out. So, you know, when I go and visit our program sites and, and um, you know, just observe the lessons going on, I'll look for the kid that's really struggling and I'll go over to them and I'll say, look, I'm in the same boat as you. I just started this and, and I know it can be frustrating, but why don't you try this? Why don't you try gripping it a little, you know, differently or something? And, oh, this worked for me. Um, and sort of giving them a few pointers just because I, I understand where they're coming from. You know, I understand the situation that they're in. And I, I bet you they, they appreciate that too. When, <laughs> you know, when the boss is coming over and say, Hey, it's, we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, oh, let's talk about, let's dive into some of the projects. Cause I, I've been, sure. you know, reading some, everything online, but I haven't heard much. So, uh, kicks off with what's happening at Waveland because this is exceptionally exciting. I, I myself have played Sydney Maravitz probably a hundred times. I used to have a standing 6 a.m. tea time there on Wednesday mornings uh, with, a, with a group of buddies. And, and it's a fantastic place. It's a fantastic place. I think our members yeah. would tell you that the pace of play is a little rough, but other than that, it, it's special. It sits on the lake. It's, so you guys have a big project happening at Waveland. Tell us about it. Yes. So I hear that from a lot of people. I hear that a lot of people have this really special connection to that course. And I love that, you know, either they grew up playing it or, you know, like, like you and I were, were transplants to the city and we live in the city and it's this beautiful nine hole course right on the lakefront. Um, yeah, it's not the fastest nine holes you're ever going to play, but it's a fun place to go. And, um, and so it, it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. So we're excited because there is a, uh, this is our first facility that we'll be operating. There is a 100 year old clubhouse building and the southern end of that building used to be the women's locker room back in the like 40s and 50s. And we are going to totally gut rehab that end of the building. It's been abandoned for decades. Nothing has been in there. And we're going to turn that into a kid's clubhouse. We're going to have a lounge for the kids, a technology lab, a simulator, a putting green. It's only 1,250 square feet, but we are cramming in as many things as we can into that space to make the best use of it. And then right behind it, we're working with Luke Donald, um, who has been really involved with the first tee for several years now. Um, and he's helping us to design the short game area in the back. And this is just going to transform the way that we're able to deliver programming. So right now, we have about 22 different program sites in a normal year. This year, we have eight because of COVID. But um, we have to kind of reach out and reset and, um, you know, work with each individual site to schedule our lessons every single season. By operating our own facility, now we can set the schedule. We can have full day and half day programs. We can have summer camps. It just opens up the door for us to be able to do so many things, um, even just beyond golf lessons, right? So we teach a lot about uh, character education and life skills. Now we can have tutoring and mentoring programs. Now we can have, you know, the kids can do a podcast. We're going to have a little technology space for them to be able to do things like that. So I'm excited because it, it just allows us to expand our um our programming and our offerings and, and, you know, with the goal being deepening that impact that we have on that kid and creating a safe space where they can come 
after school or, or during the summertime um, when they're out of school and have a safe place to play and learn. That's awesome. And what a, like, it's just the ideal setting. You know, I, I, there's a, I didn't, that building, it doesn't surprise me. It's a hundred years old. It definitely, you know, looks it, but it, looks it, it. it's, uh, I'm sure you guys are going to give it a nice facelift, but it, it, um, the exterior of it, you know, it does draw me back. A lot of my inspiration for new club comes from, uh, the UK and, and Ireland where these golf societies exist. And so many of the, the, uh, places that you, you go to, uh, over there, uh, they remind you a little bit of a sitting bear. It's one, there's a big body of water, a lot of links courses and just right there, you know, it's on the coastline, but the, the buildings are, um, uh, are old and there's, there's this tradition. And, and I think what I've really enjoyed with, uh, the game of golf right now is where these traditions kind of meet new and, and you guys are, are doing so many new things. Um, you got the new logo, by the way, that's looks fantastic. I'm rocking it th- th- Thank th- today um, in honor of this, but, but uh, those, those two things, it's like this, this beautiful tradition, um, this, this hundred year old building combined with the, these great new ideas for, for, for kids to keep kids getting connecting them to all that history. And so when I was thinking through uh, that being your guys home, being that your first home, I was like, man, that, that is awesome. It's interesting that you bring up Ireland and Scotland because the relationship that people have with golf over there, it does seem like it is a more um, welcoming sport and more widely played sport and have so many different muni courses um, I just was in uh, Wyoming with my husband. My in-laws live out in Montana, and um, we played a local course there and got paired up with a Scotsman named James. And I asked him where was his favorite place to play in Scotland, thinking he's going to say something like St. Andrews. And he said, favorite place to play, whatever my local muni course is. That's where I am, you know, and I wherever just love yeah, yeah I, just, I loved that, you know, and he said every course in Scotland is great. And, you know, I just want to play. I just want to get out there. I don't, I don't care where it is, you know. You know, so and, I, that was really cool. and as it relates to kids too, like the sight of an army of children on the putting green is kind of, you know, kind of you see it here uh, and, and you're kind of like, oh, wow, what's going on? You know, but, but over there, that's like, that's just the norm that, that, that they have. Uh, they don't even have, you know, here it's family memberships. They have junior memberships that are like, you know, 50 bucks for the year and, and, and they play and they, they learn the game and it's just a, it's a safe place for them to, to hang out and be. And, and I know that's a part of your guys' vision, which I just think is great. We are so focused on access. And so we keep our costs as low as possible and we cover that gap. Um, you know, obviously it provides, it costs, it does cost a lot of money to, to have the right coach and um, you know, to get this equipment and and to have these nice facilities and to be able to offer these, these great programs. But that's where our, our supporters and our donors come in and help us to fill that gap so that we can provide lessons um, for a very low cost for our families. And for those that can't afford it, we allow them to come for free and to apply for financial aid. Um, That, that part about access is really, really important to us and just making sure that any kid from any background has the ability to participate in our programs if they want to. Yeah. The other thing I was going to ask you about is, um, and I'm not that familiar. I've done some volunteering work with you guys in the past, but 
uh, what, what is the age requirement? We got a lot of members with, with children. So give us kind of like, is there age requirements? Is there when eight, kids get too old, they graduate from the first team? What is the, the, your guys' sweet spot? So we work with kids age seven to 18. And they start out with us um, at the, the player level. And then they continue as they progress with not just their golf skill sets, but also with that character education piece and learn more about honesty and integrity and leadership, they um, progress through the levels. And eventually when we get to high school, um, that's where we start talking to them about, okay, do you want to play in high school? Are you taking a different path? Are you, do you want to caddy? Um, are you looking for scholarship opportunities? And we really try to guide them along um, to whatever that next phase or that next step is in their life. Um, I really love seeing the little kids getting out there and just swinging a, a golf club. There's something about being a seven or eight year old. You just don't have the same inhibitions as we do as adults. And so they'll just walk up and swing and hit the ball. And it's great. And I love that. I love seeing that. I'm jealous. Yeah, really. Cause I, you know, I get in my head and I overthink it and I'm taking practice swings and you know, then I, then I totally miss the shot or something. And so, um, I just love to see the kids out there, um, just, just doing it, you know, just, they just get out there and play and they have fun and they love it. And that's how it should be. Absolutely. You played, you mentioned you played other sports, uh, as you see these kids, picking up golf for the first time or, or getting into golf for the first time. What do you think is different about as a former athlete of other sports? What do you think is different about it for kids in particular? I mean, for everybody, yeah. but uh, what is it? One thing I'll say is that it's definitely a game of skill, but you don't necessarily have to be the biggest kid or the strongest kid or the most athletic kid in order to play it. And so in that way, we open up so many more doors for kids who may not traditionally find themselves um, playing sports, right? And, you know, we have a lot of kids that, um, you know, they decide that, that this is really the sport for them and, and they, um, you know, they want to start playing competitively and they get really into it and, and they don't really play other sports. So I love that about it, that it's, it's more accessible um, it's such a game of skill versus, versus athleticism. It certainly helps to be an athlete. Um, I also think too, that there are a lot of kids that we work with that, you know, this will be, um, you know, they'll play golf, but they'll also play hockey or baseball or, or football or basketball or volleyball, you name it. So one of the things we're really focused on is as they progress with us and they get to that age of 12, 13, 14, where they start saying, okay, I want to maybe start thinking about narrowing down the sports that I play and focusing only on a few. The question is, how do we keep them, right? And so that's where we provide all of these, um, what I would consider to be extraordinary opportunities for them to um, get out and play. We have mentorship play dates. We have days at the club. You know, we took our kids out to Merritt Club, to Evanston Golf Club, um, we're taking them to Northmore in a few weeks. You know, we'll, we'll provide them with these opportunities to play with mentors at these amazing courses um, that, you know, a lot of us, myself included, wouldn't otherwise have access to. We also try to provide them with leadership opportunities. So, um, you know, competitive national tournaments, scholarship opportunities, 
um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about the mentorship, but for kids who are interested in playing competitively, we'll pair them up with someone who played in high school or college so they can learn about how to get more involved in that. So we really try to do what we can to, to keep them with us because I do think that for the kids that stick with it as teenagers and through high school, it, we just see these extraordinary results where um, you know, they feel more confident academically, they feel um, you know, they're better able to manage stress and anxiety because they've learned how to manage those things through golf and through our lessons. And so it really does have a lot of long-term benefits for them if they can stick with it. I, I think about that last point about managing stress and anxiety and emotion. Uh, I think golf is, is, as the cliche goes, it reflects life in, in so many of us. But uh, for kids, I, I, I think that was a really great point. You talk about that, that perseverance of getting kids to stick with it because uh, I think you know, you guys and so many other programs do a great job of breaking down the barriers to, to get that access, to get people started. But anyone that's played golf knows that there's another barrier. And it's when you hit that frustration point or you hit that, you know, really bad day out there, or you just, you, there's, there's a per, certain level of perseverance that's required. And, and I think, as you just mentioned, t- talking about the, the character qualities that are required for that. I see that as just transformative because once you break through that and you say, all right, I can do this. I can, I can stick with this or not every day is going to be great. Some days are going to be bad. Some days are going to be good. But uh, that, that perseverance to me is what, where I see it click with people of saying, all right, you know, and, and you start seeing it bleed into other aspects of life. For sure. At school, you know, better able to handle um, bullies or, you know, think about all the stresses that kids face today that that even, you know, us growing up, we didn't have social media, thankfully. Um, You know, we didn't have, we weren't constantly comparing ourselves to, to, you know, all of these um, ideals. And so I think, you know, again, you're right, that that confidence that they develop, that perseverance, um, those things are going to stay with them for the rest of their lives, no matter what they do. And at the end of the day, you know, we're not trying to create scratch golfers. We don't, um, if they, if they don't want to golf after their time with us, that's okay. Um, although 90% of them, 90 plus percent of them consider themselves to be lifelong golfers, which is great. But, um, you know, it's just more about that character education piece and the life skills that they're gaining from being a part of our program. Yeah. And, and you can tell them too, the ones that, that, drop it or, or don't want to stick with golf when, when they're done. Uh, a lot of our members are people who said, you know, I grew up, a couple of people taught me how to play. I grew up playing and then it completely dropped off. I didn't play in high school. I didn't play during college. I, you know, got married, I got a job. I, I just stopped playing and I don't know why I love this thing. And, and now they're back into it, you know, playing with new club, but uh, it, it's great that someone gave them those basics and those fundamentals to, to have it be that tool for life later on. For sure. And I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced this during uh, this COVID year as well, but we have a lot of new people, a lot of new families who are new to the game. And I'm sure you have a lot of new members that are, um, you know, like, as you said, taking up the sport again. So now the challenge is going to be how do we keep these families engaged going forward? When COVID hopefully goes away or, or minimizes and we're able to return to some semblance of normalcy, 
how do we keep these families engaged and, and show them that, um, you know, there's a real value and benefit to continuing with this game and with our program. I was going to ask you about uh, that, that second seven-month window. You, you touched on it a few times, all the adjustments you guys have had to make because of COVID. But golf overall, I don't think anyone would have predicted in March uh, when word dropped that this would be a record year for most clubs um, and courses. Uh, so golf is booming, and uh, it's a weird thing to think about you know, during this, this really difficult time for our country. But why, So give us – are your guys – participation numbers up. Uh, you, you said you went down on number of sites. I'd imagine that had to do a lot with compaction of those courses and, and how busy they are, right? So, yes. so how, how have you guys really been affected on the numbers? Yeah. So in any given summer, we'd have about 2,000 to 2,500 kids enrolled in our programs across 22 to 24 program sites. So this year we had to, that was, um, you know, that went down to eight sites. But not only that, because of COVID, we uh, have eight kids in a session instead of 20, eight kids with two coaches. And so um, we just don't have the room, unfortunately. So this summer, we were able to get about 350 to 400 kids out in our life skills experience programs. And we also, thankfully, were able to partner with a number of other youth serving organizations who um, you know, participate in our outreach programming. So for example, we'll do some summer camp sessions with kids from organizations like Girls Inc. Um, or, um, you know, other, other youth serving organizations that, um, you know, work with a lot of kids, again, that aren't typically exposed to golf and wouldn't have had access to golf otherwise. Very cool. Uh, you were out at the BMW Championship couple weeks ago or August. Uh, how was it? You're one of the few Were you like, it kind of got a little, there was a, the, the, the smallest gallery in history for that giant putt of John Rahm. Were you there for that? No, uh, I wish, uh, I was there on Wednesday. So yeah, I feel it's, it's like Charlie and the chocolate factory. I got the golden ticket. Um, (laughs) it's, it's really too bad because in, in a year where we would have done a lot at the BMW championship, especially with this new partnership with the Western Golf Association, you know, we couldn't really, um, you know, because of safety precautions, we couldn't bring anybody on site. So I was able to go, I got the COVID test. I was able to be on site on Wednesday. I love going during the practice rounds. There's something about just the, um, you know, everybody, the players, it's more casual. They're more relaxed. They're all walking around and you get to see them practicing. Um, and so that was really great. And I, I got to meet a lot of people. I got to meet Jane Monahan, um, the commissioner, and, and just get to know a few other people that are involved with the, the WGA, which was great. And we also did this really cool thing. So um, we announced our partnership with the Western Golf Association. And as part of that announcement, uh, Harry Higgs, who's a PGA Tour rookie, who he is just a riot. He's a great guy, really funny, really nice. You got to get the buttons yeah, down. Yep, yeah, about exactly. <laughs> um, Harry joined us for a conversation and we did a Zoom with a group of our kids and they interviewed him and it was a blast. We had such a great time and it was a, such a fun, unique way to highlight that partnership. We were kind of struggling to think what we could do without being able to bring people on site. So that was um, you know, a good way to still be able to 
give our kids a unique experience to be able to meet him and chat with him. Did he take the, the, the shades off for the call or did it, did he keep he did. them on? Oh, he did. No, I think he did. Yeah. I thought that was a he trademark. Was really... Kid, kids wouldn't recognize him with those, with those off. <laughs> he was really into it and he was great with the kids. So um, he, he we really appreciated like a, it. He seems yeah. like a character, an affable, really nice guy. Yeah. Um, so the WGA partnership, tell us a, a little bit about that. So our, we have a, a good percentage of members who are Evan scholars and um, people that are on the leadership council for the WGA. So give us, give us a rundown that you're part yeah. of them. So this, this has been a couple years in the making, and this is really a game changer for us because um, we, I talked a little bit earlier about kids when they start to get to that age of 12, 13, 14, and they start sort of self-selecting into other sports. And, and that tends to be, if we're going to lose them, that tends to be the age where we lose them. Now, all of a sudden, with this partnership with the Western Golf Association, we're creating this pipeline of opportunity for our kids that wasn't there before. So now they're going to have access to caddying opportunities, to college scholarship opportunities. So even for those kids that say, you know, I'm not really sure that golf or competitive golf is for me, um, you know, they could get a great, fantastic summer job and work experience and become a caddy and, um, you know, potentially become an Evans scholar and receive a, a college scholarship. So it just, it's, it's cool to think about a kid coming in at seven years old going all the way through our programs, getting to high school, then becoming a caddy with the Western Golf Association, and then receiving a, a college scholarship. So that for us, that's, you know, that's the pipeline that that's the dream. And, and that's what we're really trying to do with this partnership. Such a logical thing to me. I'm, I'm very excited to hear that. Because uh, those two, especially here in Chicago, I mean, those two organizations, you guys, what a perfect fit. Congrats on, on doing that. And, and for those of us, we, we, we're always caddy encouraged, you know, when we're, when we're visiting uh, these venerable pri private clubs, we always try to, to encourage our members to take a, a caddy, not for yourself in a lot of ways. A lot of our members don't say like, I don't need one. I'm not good enough for a caddy. It, it really is about uh, just supporting a young person in their life and, and let the, they're getting as much or more out of it from being with you, you know, and, and we all think we don't have a lot to offer. We do. We know this game and just by our, our mannerisms and the things that they pick up. And it would be so cool because a lot of those caddies, I, I sometimes, every time I have a caddy who's never played golf, I always am like, oh, you're missing such a big part of this. You, you got to pick up a club and try for yourself. And that's what 100%. you guys can do. Yeah. And I, in fact, we do teach their caddies golf. So we've, we've had a program with them for a few years now where, where we'll do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny that you say that about people saying, oh, I'm, I'm not you know, a good enough golfer to, for a caddy. I actually think as a more inexperienced or a beginner golfer, I benefit so much from having a caddy. So if there's a caddy available, I will take it. I find that they really help me a lot with club selection. And, you know, this is where you want to hit this. I, I, cause I don't know, right. If I'm not familiar with the course. Um, so I love a good caddy. I think it really makes the game and it's, it's kind of, it's the roots of the game, right? I mean, I think that's how golf should be played. It absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, one of our members wanted to know, is the South shore Jackson park project still on? We, a couple <laughs> years ago, we, we were all a buzz about it is any insight there. I know you guys were just a partner on it, but yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish I knew more. Um, you know, that unfortunately I think with, with COVID 
that project lost a little bit of steam and momentum with all of that happening. And so I, I do know now that um, the organizers from the Chicago Parks Golf Alliance are getting back together. They are having meetings with the Chicago Park District to talk about the future of the project. Um, my stance on it, I honestly, we, we would be thrilled if it, if it happened. We would have a beautiful facility for our kids there. We would bring a ton of youth development, uh, golf programming to that area. Um, but we're doing that now. So we're already in South Shore and Jackson Park. And I think that's one thing that maybe a lot of people don't realize. We have, um, throughout the spring, summer, and fall, we have kids that are in, at Jackson Park Driving Range, um, at South Shore, although South Shore recently has had some issues with erosion and upkeep. Um, so we haven't been there as much this summer, but uh, we're gonna be there no matter what. And I really think that it's important for us to be in that community no matter what. And so I think regardless of what happens with that course, at some point, we're going to have a facility there and we're going to make that happen. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's another favorite uh, of our members. I think uh, you, you, the two places that I would say for, for city dwellers um, that are kind of those staples uh, are City Maravitz and Jackson Park. Yep. And, and you guys are a big part of both. And then Harborside, if you want to get fancy. You and then if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to really up your game, you, you shoot down I-94. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, because every time I see uh, our members that uh, have their children enrolled in your programs and, you know, they share pictures, uh, we have a community um, uh, message board, if you will, that people share, you know, photos. And I, you know, one thing I always notice that you don't see a lot in the game is you see a lot of diversity amongst your kids. A lot of diversity. And I was just curious what your, you know, what you think your kids can teach the rest of the world right now, you know, as we're in this time of um, social injustice and uh, talking about, you know, the, the struggle of racism in our country. What, what do you think your, your kids uh, can, can teach the rest of us? Well, I, I think for starters, I think this is, this game can bring people together. So what I love about our programs is that we've got kids from all different parts of the city, from the suburbs, from um, the south side, the west side, the north side, you know, they're all coming together and um, making friends. And, um, you know, I, I just, I love that. I love to see everyone um, coming together in that way and, and using this wonderful game as a way to, um, you know, just to bring people in. And like I said, I mean, for us, we want it to be accessible. And so those barriers that would normally exist when it comes to getting into this sport, we're breaking those down and, and we're, you know, pushing those away. And so, you know, if you don't have the equipment, if you don't think that you have access to a course, we'll provide you with all of that, right? Um, and so I think, you know, that's been, especially in a, in a moment and in a year like this, that's been really powerful. I, it always puts a smile on my face to go and see our, our, our programs in action. But now, more than ever, going and seeing kids outside in a green space, playing together and learning and having fun and laughing, that's everything. You know, it's just, 
it, it's been such a tough year. And when you think about the year that our kids have had and, and how they are processing this and understanding this and how this is going to affect them in the long run, the least that we can do for them right now is to get them outside playing and having fun, you know, and, if, and doing that in a safe way. That's, it has to feel really good sitting where you sit. I know it feels good for the rest of us. It probably reminds us to enjoy our own game a little bit more and the reasons that, that we play. But uh, yeah, that, the pictures that our members share, that, that puts a smile on everybody's face because, you know, I think for those kids, it's not about the news and everything else. It's, it's about being together and having fun. And, and, and it's, it's centered around golf, but I'm sure it's transcending to uh, their schoolwork and, and just these, these friendships that they're building. Um, I've, I've waited as long as I can. I got to ask you about Northeast Ohio. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned you grew up in Ohio city, you know, inner city, uh, Cleveland. Let's just get topical with it. Uh, LeBron James is about to win his fourth title. He's in an LA Lakers Jersey. How does that make you feel? Look, I, I get a lot of (laughs) slack from this, from, uh, people, my friends who aren't from Cleveland, I love LeBron James. I, I really do. And I, um, you know, as someone who grew up in Cleveland and feels a very strong affinity to it, but also left, um, I get it, you know? Uh, so I, I just, I love what he's done for Cleveland. If you think about how downtown and the city uh, as a whole has just been completely revitalized over the past 10 to 15 years, I don't think that that is, um, you know, that's, that's no coincidence. I think that LeBron had a lot to do with that and bringing a championship to a city that hasn't had a championship <laughs> ever really, um, in modern times. And, and so, you know, that, that matters. That's important. And Cleveland is such a big sports town too. You know, I just, you know, everything that he's done with, I promise and that school in Akron and, um, you know, bringing it back to the kids and, Again, you know, when I think about like our ethos of providing access and breaking down, you know, racial barriers and, um, you know, trying to get as many people involved from all different backgrounds as we can. Um, that's what he's about, too. And I love that, you know, so I'm, I'll always be a LeBron fan. I'm rooting for him right now, too, with the Lakers. Uh, have you by chance been to the I Promise School? I have not. I would love to go. You, I, I can't recommend it enough considering all the work you do um it is remarkable and you know i get goosebumps thinking about it because it's my hometown and i know you know what those that those kids go through i I live five minutes away from that school and uh it is it's transformative it's just really 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 um it's it gets a a good amount of attention but i don't think people understand how uh absurd of a goal that was and and how they're achieving it so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Bron. I, I, I was only a hater of LeBron from my fourth grade season till uh, senior year because he tortured me twice a year. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, the guy has done a lot of good things. Where were you uh, June of 2016? Every Cleveland person knows, remembers where they yeah, were. Yeah, I will tell you. I was here. I was in Chicago. Um, I had actually gone to a few games that year, though. I had driven back for it. Um, which I, those memories will be with me forever. Just going to those playoff games was amazing. Um, for the championship, we went to Vaughn's 
at, on uh, Sheffield and you know what I'm talking about, the Cleveland bar. Bond. Oh yeah. And um, of course this was pre COVID times. The place was packed. <laughs> it was about 120 degrees in there. There was not a seat in the house and there was just this crazy energy. You couldn't even get a beer. There was like one bartender, you know, and like hundreds of people. Um, but just the, the energy in there was so infectious. And as soon as they won, I started crying and I jumped up on one of the tables. Everybody was standing on the tables and they were playing, we are the champions. And my husband took a video of it and was laughing at me. Um, but it, it was just this feeling and everybody was hugging, you know, it was like this feeling of like, we finally, like we all did it, you know, yeah, we yeah. finally did it. It was great. That was such a great thing for the city. Um, and then I went back for the parade too. With, and, and went to that with my cousins and my mom. That was really fun. You know, this is both of our adopted hometowns now. And um, I, I have fallen in love with Chicago, as I'm, I'm sure you have. And uh, there, was a, there was a moment, though, for me. That, that championship, I was across the, the town, or, or Lincoln Park at least. I was uh, at the Fieldhouse uh, for another Cleveland staple. Um, uh-huh. Usually a, a sanctuary of losers uh, most Sundays. But... That night it was joyous, uh, but when the Cubs played the Indians in the World Series, one, my family actually, we needed family counseling. Our, my family completely just stopped talking to each other because we have Illinois Constantines and Ohio Constantines, and that was, uh, that was tough. That was tough for grandma, <laughs> um, but, uh, but you, you can't, you know, those roots, you can't replace those roots, and, and that, that week I just yeah. I felt, but the cool thing is all of my uh, Cubs f- friends that, you know, they understood what it's like to, to stick with a team and keep losing. So I was, I was happier for them than I was sad for Cleveland. And the same thing happened when, when the Cavs won. All my, you know, Bulls buddies and, and everybody was like, we get it, man. We good. Like, enjoy this. <laughs> you guys deserve it. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I love the Cubs. Um, because you're right. They, they had that same struggle. Right. And, and no one, no one understands that better than people from Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. For sure. All the great Lake cities got their own little bit of, uh, depression and (laughs) struggle. Shout out Detroit. Um, well, this is, this has been fun. So what, uh, what's, I want to know what your, your golf schedule, we have beautiful October weather. It looks like for a little while. How, how you got any golf plans coming up? I do actually. So um, I started playing with this league over the summer called the Ballsy Ladies, and we played on Fridays at Sydney Maravitz. And what was cool about this group of women is that it was very much open to beginners, intermediate, just again making the sport more accessible. And so they're having an outing at Harborside on the 16th and all the proceeds are going to go to First Tee Chicago. So I'll be playing in that outing. Um, I'm a little rusty. I took a few weeks off. So I've, I've got to probably hit the driving range at Diversity um, before then. But, um, but I'm really excited to go and play in that outing. And what's unique about it is that it's a women-only outing. So we literally took a, golf, a typical golf outing and, and turned it on its head and said, okay, we're going to only make this for, for women. And it's being planned and put together by women. Um, a woman by the name of Jenny Hahn is spearheading that. She founded the group. Um, and so I'm really excited to get involved in that in a few weeks. That's something Mark and I are, are pretty passionate about ourselves. Um, just we, we'd love to see our female membership at a new club get uh, you know, increase in number. 
and just doing my initial research on what's out there, I found some awesome groups. Yep. Uh, I, there's um, this group I, I have heard of. I'd love to connect with her. We have um, uh, For the Ladies, which is putting together, uh, she calls them drop-in classes across the country. Yep. We, we went to one of those in, in the winter. And, um, you know, this, this game, it doesn't matter who you are. You can, you can get the golf bug. It's just if you, if you get access to the game and um, it is just a wonderful sport. And, and I think I love these, these uh, groups that are, are letting women know it's for them too. And, yeah. and so if there's anything we can do on that front, we'd love to, to support that. Awesome. Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll start with the first tee though. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and um, getting our members involved. That, that is a, a true offer as well. Cause our members, uh, myself included, I have a child on the way. And I'm already starting to think about, okay, when's too early for clubs? You know, what's our path? If we live in town, what, where, where are they going to learn the game? So. Oh, I love that. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah. So for your members, if people are interested in getting involved, we are, um, there's a number of ways they can do that. You know, obviously this is the year where we're a little bit light on events. We can't quite have so many of those, but if people are interested in volunteering, they can reach out to us. They can check out our website and, um, you know, we can connect them with someone who can, um, you know, share a little bit more about what that entails. I think the volunteering aspect is so powerful because you get to be with the kids at the program site, helping them learn, working with one of our coaches, and um, you just get to see firsthand what our mission and our work is all about. Yeah, I, a couple of years ago, I got to do that. Actually, the Winter Series, you guys had a couple of different facilities. Um, and, you know, best start to your day. I, I was like a 8 a.m. start for these kids or 9 a.m. And, man, I remember this one kid just rolled in a 30-footer. I was on the putting uh, clinic, which anyone that knows my putting probably thinks uh, he shouldn't be there. But uh, <laughs> And, and uh, one of the more shy students just rolls in a 30 footer, just makes it. And I, it, 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 just the shock on their face and the joy. And you can just see right there. He's they're, they're hooked. They're going to love this. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, Leah, th thank you for joining us uh, on the backdrop. We really appreciate it. We appreciate everything that you're doing for Chicago, for golf, uh, for the new project at Waveland, uh, the WGA, you guys got so much cool stuff going on. And uh, I know new club members appreciate it and they, we will we'll, we'll love to support and get involved. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate you having me on today. And it was great chatting about Cleveland too. Yeah. And thanks for <laughs> go Browns. and go Browns Super Bowl 2020. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was brought to you by half day CBD. Personally, I started using half day CBD products a little more than a year ago to assist in three key areas. I use the half day oils as part of my bedtime ritual. I like to use the half-day topical relief creams for my knees, which always start to ache around this time in the golf season. And I use the half-day CBD gummies as a way to curb some of my first tee jitters before an especially nervy match or tournament. Using the link in our show notes, you can now check out their full line of hemp-derived CBD products. And with the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. You'll also see some of the half-day staffers at our upcoming tournaments and events for the second half of the golf season. So if you're interested in the use of CBD products or just curious about the benefits for yourself, I encourage you to say hello and check them out.